22 Fan Battle Royale. I am Bob McDonald. Um, I'm hosting this one solo, but I've got plenty of uh, plenty of folks here to uh, join me here, and we'll uh, reintroduce them here in a little bit. Um, before that, Horizon Round, uh, Horizon RT is where you can find us on Twitter. You can also pull us up on the web at horizonroundtable.com, and be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are available. So let's go ahead and reintroduce everybody, um, starting with uh, Kyle over in uh, representing Detroit Mercy. Yeah, uh, my name's Kyle Thalen. I've uh, been attending U of D games since I was a little kid. Uh, graduated from U of D in 2008, and uh, very sad with the state of affairs with the basketball program as of late. So. All right. Uh, next up, representing uh, Green Bay, uh, Jim. Hey, it's uh, Jim Saro. Uh, happy to be here for the second part of the fan forum and looking to, forward to uh, discussing, you know, the teams in a little more depth. And I'm, well, actually looking forward to ripping on some of the teams in a little more depth. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, next up, uh, representing Milwaukee, uh, Tommy. Hey guys, uh, Tommy Dunn, uh, longtime Panther fan since 2003. Uh, yeah, as Jim said, ready to rip on some teams, ready to rip on our own team, uh, and see some hope in the future. So happy to be here. All right. Uh, next up, representing uh, Northern Kentucky, Michael. Welcome back. Hi guys, Michael Ruscher, representing the uh, Norse Nation fan, fan base. I'm a 94 grad, uh, lifelong Norse fan, and uh, current contributor to both the Norse Nation uh, fan page as well as Norse Report and uh, happy to be a part of this group and uh, ready to get at it. All right. Um, and next up, Oakland, representing Oakland. Mitchell, welcome back. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Mitchell Cover. Uh, I'm currently a junior at Oakland University, but very extensively involved in the Oakland basketball program, current season ticket holder, yada, yada. But uh, been really enjoying Oakland basketball for the last couple of years. We've had great players come in and out, and we have Jalen Moore coming back, so pretty excited about that. All right. Welcome. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Wright State, uh, Shane slash Freewind. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me back. I'm looking forward to talk to a little bit more Wright State basketball. Once again, I attended Wright State 99-01, and, uh, yeah, let's talk some basketball, guys. All right. And uh, rounding out the crew is uh, Nico, representing Youngstown State. Welcome back, Nico. Hi, I'm, thanks for having me. I'm Nico. I'm a young fan. I'm the future. All right. All right. So, um, so last week, uh, last episode, we were talking. Uh, we closed out talking about the uh, transfer portal. I want to start this one out. I I want to start this one about about the conference as a whole. Um, I don't think it's any secret that this conference has underperformed grossly over the past few years. Um, what what do we need? What do we need to do? To, what, what needs to happen to fix it? You want the honest truth? Yes. <laughs> the I am, truth? I am all about the brutality at this point. Okay. Well, honestly, to me, it comes down to what we talked about at the end of the last podcast: the uh, nil money. I think all the all the rich donors from each of the schools need to get together. Um, you know, decide which players they want and start throwing money around. You know, the hill that I always am willing to die on, Bob, is yes. scheduling. I know it's coming. <laughs> I agree. I just, I just you know, the, 
the league has standards. They don't seem to enforce them. You have certain programs that, you know, just think it's all about throwing a Hail Mary in the Horizon League tournament. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that mentality, this is, that's loser mentality. That is low major mentality. And when you have that mentality, you will get low major results. Like the fact that we're celebrating, I know, um, you know, Shane was kind of kidding around about the, you know, show me the money in the Horizon League tournament, but that should never happen again. We should, as a unit of fans and a grouping of people who care, never accept playing in Dayton again, unless it's against the Flyers. And, you know, then I'd like to see Wright State get to play in Dayton. But other than that, never. That'll never happen. I know. So, yeah, uh, this is actually a question that I wanted to bring up last episode, but I want to actually pose this to you guys. So the NIL money I get. My question is, is that, you know, when you consider, I would think, and maybe you guys can clarify this for me, the fact that we have all of these schools who happen to be in what we consider major media markets, how is it that we, that, that hasn't, that hasn't been leveraged within these schools, that NIL, you know, kind of tapping into those media markets, which are, you know, uh, you know, pretty, pretty large in some cases. How, how is that? How are we not doing that? Well, the biggest thing, Bob, is that the NIL doesn't come from the school directly. You know, like a, a nil collective is your, you know, like we we're talking about with your wealthy donors. That is your out. That's an outside group of people putting things together for the university. Like you think of John Ruiz at Miami with his life wallet nil. That's him doing that with his business money. So at some point, the league or the members of the league or you know, it, it, at your individual school have to understand this is the way of the world and we need to get involved in it, but it's not necessarily coming from Detroit Mercy putting it together or Green Bay putting it together. It is coming from people affiliated with those programs that understand the way of the way the world's working. So we got to catch up. Like we got to, you know, we got to pull our head out of the sand and realize this is what's happening. And then we can leverage that major market, you know, setup. But right now, like it's not the school, it's the people affiliated the, the boosters need to get their act together yeah i agree i i think you know to your to your point Shane, i think you know uh, those donors need to be creative i mean you know i'll take our market in the northern kentucky area for instance i mean we've got competition across the river with uc and xavier and you know um you know even to the south of us let's be honest with uk louisville and things like that and so we've got to find a way to be creative um you know with our donor base to you know, I guess provide opportunities for these guys for no money. And, um, you know, maybe in an area like, a, you know, like a Fort Wayne or something where, you know, that's kind of the only thing in town, it, it's maybe a little easier to do because the competition's not there. But, you know, in a major market like a Chicago or like a greater Cincinnati area, Pittsburgh area, you know, uh, Green Bay, Milwaukee area, it's, you know, there's, there's more competition for those opportunities. And so it, it, I think it comes down to creativity and how can you find that niche that maybe benefits your particular school and athletes and, and taking advantage of it. Well, you know, Michael, something that I think is important on what you just shared, when you think about Louisville or you think about Xavier, these are schools that have a basketball culture and a basketball tradition. And, it, you know, like having been to a game at the Centos Center, like you feel like that's a big part of the campus life. And then, you know, when you go to some of the other programs in our league, like we don't, you don't feel that. So it, that culture of basketball and prominence of basketball has to come, 
you know, from the top down at your university and then from the bottom level, the grassroots from the fan up and then that compression will maybe help get that started. But right now we don't even have a culture of uh, basketball being important. We say it's important, but at the universities, when you go on campus, some of them, you wouldn't even realize that they have D1 basketball. Yeah, totally agree with that. I'd go with Jim on that one, especially with Milwaukee. We're a big city that has a big following for basketball. I mean, we just had the NBA champs. Marquette's in town. Wisconsin's huge in the state. Milwaukee's always been there. And and the problem is, is the culture on campus. It's a very big school. Uh, it's It's got enrollment on the level of, of Wisconsin. But we don't have the involvement. There's high prevalent donors and, and alumni from this school that – don't care about the school. So parts of that are on the administration of the school to really help alumni. But we've also haven't had anything really to get behind since, let's be real, since Bruce Pearl, right? This school, this city was was a fever pitch in 2005 when we went to the Sweet 16. The school never capitalized on it. The school never did anything. And then throughout the years of just poor coaching decisions, poor administrative decisions, uh, a rotating door at AD, we've got nothing to look at, right? So I think where you say, like, you get this NIL, you get the ability to bring people in. If you have the support internally and you have the support because you're putting out a product that's winning some games, then, you know, you can help build that culture long term. Well, and something from Milwaukee that would really help. Uh, a bag night isn't going to help. Like putting, you know, a pick and save bag on your head and uh, walking past Amanda Braun in a game isn't going to change anything. Oh, you no. know, and and getting even having her leave isn't really the solution. Like number one solution, and I see this in you know in the Milwaukee board as a good example in Milwaukee Twitter. You guys are still fighting about something that happened seven years ago. Like at the end of the day. As a fan base, these guys say the past is the past. Do we want to live in the past or do we want to live in the future? And start, you know, everybody just saying, look, I'm going, I'm all in, even if it's going to hurt my feelings, even if I'm going to get broken, even if it doesn't work in the end. But, you know, for a school like Milwaukee, they are still fractured about something that, you know, is going to be almost 10 years old pretty soon. And right. at some no, point, you, can't say, you can't change it. The past is the past. Rob Jeter's gone. Amanda's still here deal with it and let's just get behind the next person now obviously we'll talk about it going forward what we had the last six years wasn't right but you make the new decision you make you move things along i agree with you it's very entertaining to read though on the message board <laughs> oh yeah if you guys ever, if you ever want something fun come over to the milwaukee panther discussion board and have a read through the history of everyone fighting about how rob jeter left us and, and like i said before on the last episode, you know, it's like it's our old girlfriend that that left us, and we didn't really want to break up with her. Well, at the same time, it wasn't you know he didn't leave; he got left. <laughs> but um, here's another question that I have for you guys, especially for the fans of the public school, uh, the public schools that get their money from, get a lot of their money from, uh, get most of their money from student fees. Does it ever concern you that one day a group of students is going to say, "What the hell are we spending this money on?" Because I know when I, I know at Cleveland State, I, that's, that that for me that's a, that's a train that's that's coming around the bend, and I'm a little I, I, I keep saying that I've been saying that for a decade, but you know, it, in the back of my head, I think, yeah, maybe. Yes. And especially when you, 
<laughs> when you look at when you look at especially when you look at like for example a right state that is that has been well publicized uh, yeah financial issues especially when you just had to add three more teams by the way outstanding you guys put in bowling uh, <laughs> i'm looking I'm forward little, to women's bowling <laughs> i am actually very disappointed that that bowling either men's or women's bowling is not a horizon league sponsored sport we have enough cities in this we have enough cities represented by the horizon league that would support bowling cleveland milwaukee come on what are you doing um but but no that, but again that's a uh, but um but you look at it. Um, I know I read Youngstown State has had their enrollment is dropping, so they're losing. You know, the, so does it concern you that potentially the you know there might be a student uprising where they say get rid of athletics, we're tired of it? Yes. Uh, so we, if 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 anybody's followed, Milwaukee's finally getting a practice arena. They're building it right now. Yes. Um, and if you go back, I don't even know how long, but we had. Uh, the students vote on increasing their segregated fees to help support that. Now, because it wasn't enacted, it ended up going from $25 extra to, you know, a lot less than that. I want to say 16. So you're losing all that money coming in. Um, but that it, I mean, it took 10 years to get that moved, you know, from, from an idea to, to actually being built and, and then being built with, a major sponsorship with Ohio, um, the orthopedic hospital here in Wisconsin. So it, it is one of those things where you worry that, uh, especially the public schools where you go through a board or regents, well, here in Wisconsin, you have to go through your own board and then you have to deal with the regents. And then there's the feeling, and Jim, you may agree with this one, that that the, that the mothership, you know, Wisconsin gets all of the love, right? They, they, they seem to be able to build and do whatever they want. Obviously, it's probably more to their endowment, but, uh, you know, you see that, especially in the public level. I mean, in the state of Wisconsin, there was a state assemblyman uh, two years ago or three years ago that was trying to enact a state law to cap what student fees could be, segregated fees could be for uh, athletic departments. And that would have affected in the UW system, I believe it was either Stout or Superior and then Green Bay and Milwaukee. And so, you know, when you have that type of... Um, you know, negativity about how to fund Division One athletics. And these are programs that aren't even funded at the maximum level it takes to be competitive, you know, on a on a bigger mid-major scale or a mid-major plus level. I mean, it's a little concerning for sure that, um, you know, at some point people, you know, when, when everybody else continues to spend and you can't keep up, it's just like I used in the last episode about how Detroit kind of got left behind. If that's going to happen to some of these programs if they don't understand and get their mind around it takes money to make money in this or it takes money to not lose as much money would <laughs> be probably the better way to put it <laughs> yeah right state had a third party consultant come in uh with their financial situation and i think at the end they pretty much said yeah this is what you need to spend it, like sport, you know on your sports it's it's worth it, it you, you get your money back by putting the money in the sports so they ended up going after like the academic side i think they end up laying off a bunch of teachers and and uh that they should have a pretty close to balanced budget if not make uh in the positive in the coming years kyle is a representative of the 
what I did. Yeah. Wait, was there anybody? I don't think there was anybody else in private that represented because there, actually there's only two. There's only Detroit and Detroit Mercy and Robert Morris, and nobody from Robert Morris is here. So, as far as um, as far as that's concerned, did, does it concern you? I mean, I know you talked about the money thing a little bit earlier, but does it, last episode? But does it concern you at all that you know that you're going to end up coming up short at some point? Well, it's it's definitely concerning, especially since U of D is a private school. They don't necessarily have to be as transparent with their financials as some of these public institutions. So it's it's definitely concerning. I mean, you had uh, Mercy College step in and kind of rescue uh, U of D in the early 90s. And that's why now they're insistent that we have Mercy at the end of everything. And it drives me nuts. Um, but no, it's 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 definitely concerning. Um but, you know, if you can get a couple players and you can get your program to nationwide prestige, kind of like Miami did with football, I mean, you'll see enrollment go up. I mean, put put butts in seats, put wins in the win column, go to the tournament, make some money. Your enrollment's going to go up and you should be fine financially. And that's that's really, I think, what U of D needs to focus on. And for U of D, is a really good, like, everybody – you know, looks at Butler and Gonzaga as like the private schools that have really done it, but it was a concerted effort to invest in basketball for both of those schools. And, and they have grown their school. Like Gonzaga is a really good example of a school that has grown in every regard. I was on campus there about three years ago and there's cranes all over the place because basketball has powered everything else. It's powered the endowment. Uh, It is a school that is growing because of basketball and they, they really did it right. And that could be for a lot of private schools could operate that way because they took Kyle's uh, point. The transparency doesn't have to be there. Uh, also to Tommy's point about how long it took, even with money and a sponsor, it took you know Milwaukee to go through the process to get a, a practice facility. So um, it, that is the model and it could be done by any private school with the vision to do it. Keyword there being vision, which we don't seem to have. Yeah. So, um, so my next question, my next topic, I'm going to just go down the line. Um, is your team okay? Why, why not? Or is it too soon to tell? We'll start with, uh, start with Kyle. Again, I'm not, again, I'm not even really convinced. I'm not even really sure who exactly is on your team at this point. Yeah. Your guess is as good as mine. You know, uh, obviously with uh, Davis and the transfer portal, that hurts. Uh, I will say if I were him, I would come back to U of D because if he transfers these other schools, he's not going to get the number of shots he gets playing for the Titans. So, um, yeah, he'll be going against better competition, but, you know, he'll be a a smaller fish in a bigger pond. But um, short answer, no, we're we're not okay. And, And, you know, we have a brand new president coming in. And if I were him day one my first thing i do on the job is to walk into the athletic director's office and fire him get him out of there get someone else someone who's competent in there Um, now i should point out matt dudek is convinced that robert vowels is going to leave at some point in time (laughs) i hope he leaves today i hope he leaves today i mean honestly what what do you judge an athletic director on what what it's it's definitely it's definitely not on wins and losses that's for sure it's definitely and, not on, uh, you know, hiring capable women's basketball coaches because that's not the case. Yeah, that's a that's a that that's a topic for a whole other episode yeah. of a podcast right there. Yeah. Um, and, hey, Kyle. Yeah, I, if I could ask a question, Kyle, I just had a quick question for like as you're looking at Detroit, like 
I think of Detroit and their roster composition as like the fallacy of new era basketball, like the, oh, we'll build it year to year. Um, You know, you're entering year five of Mike Davis. And other than Maduda catch, you really don't have a single piece in place. And I I was just thinking to myself, when Mike Davis is on YouTube recruiting, like what other suggested videos is he watching other than player videos? Because he's not getting any players in that are staying over a long period of time. So like what's going on that you can't keep a roster together? Your guess is as good as mine. You know, I've been I've been going to UAD games for close to 30 years now. And, you know, it used to be, yeah, we'd get one or two transfers to kind of fill holes on the roster. But we would have guys that would stay, you know, four years and we would have solid teams. And now it's like, you know, I, I show up for the, I don't follow their recruiting too, too closely. You know, I just show up to the first game and look at the roster and see, oh, okay, let's see what these guys can do. And it's always, you know, 50% of the team is brand new from the, from the previous year. So well, that's okay. It, People who actually follow, follow recruiting a lot don't know what the hell's going on over there. All right. Right. <laughs> That's the thing is that there's not a lot of transparency with U of D when it comes to recruiting and everything. I mean, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Yeah. Um, are we convinced that Madhu catch is actually coming back, by the way? <laughs> he's the only he's the only name that we for that has been kicked around that's uh, for sure coming back. And honestly, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Because I have no idea who else who else is going to be. I mean, I guess you know, I guess we'll all be surprised together. <laughs> yeah, it it sounds like I hate my program. I love my program. I want to see them succeed, but it's just it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. All right, uh, Jim. Um, you know what's coming? Is your team okay? Not yet. No. Um, losing Kamari McGee when we did really hurt. Like. I think that they thought when they went through their postseason player meetings that he was staying, and then you know they weren't working on acquiring you know another premier frontline point guard. And so you know when you're end of March and all of a sudden you know one of your core pieces leaves and you weren't expecting that, that is a problem. And they don't have a replacement yet. Uh, they do have some nice pieces that people haven't seen yet. They've got Brady Daly. Is there a member of the short family could play point? I mean, because that, uh, that seems to be the current recruiting strategy. If you're a member of the short family, come on down to Green Bay. Yeah, and you know, in today's day and age, uh, you know that bringing on the the brother, like those two brothers, are super close. The one Donovan's highly regarded. Zane is, yes. you know, coming as a walk on. But you know, if we didn't have, if you don't have something else to offer you know, that family atmosphere. And I actually think those guys will be good for the program. Even Zane, who doesn't come in with a lot of uh, necessary accolades, uh, you know, he's him and his brother are super tight. So I feel like that's going to push him. But there's a player, Donovan Short, 6'10", skilled, can shoot. Braden Daly, 6'7", athletic, can shoot. You got Garen Davis coming in, a really good three-point shooter. Uh, Clarence Cummings is a, a big wing player, uh, late bloomer, you know, in at the JUCO level, average 18 points a game over his last 12 JUCO games, and then Amari Jenkins um, is a, just like if it, in NFL draft terms, we'd use athlete like six eight, does a little bit of everything, and kind of a late developer. So we've got um, you know a good foundation of other pieces to hopefully grow together, you know, with um, with um, Cade Meyer. But at the end of the day, until we get a point guard or two. Uh, it's hard to know if we're okay, quite frankly. I I hate saying that because I I really believe in Coach Ryan. I believe in the vision for the athletic that Josh Moon, our athletic director, has. But, you know, you need to have a ball handler that can initiate the offense. And right now we we don't have enough of those. So 
we got to fix that. So, Tommy, I, I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, I'm going to say too soon to tell if those guys, it, even though you is. guys lost the entire roster. Right. So, including, it, including the much touted Pat Baldwin Jr. Yeah. So, uh, how many time? How, how many? I cannot. How many games did he actually play? I gotta. I think it was like maybe four. Four. I love. Yeah, four. Maybe four or five. I can't remember. Um, I was actually at the uh, Robert Morris game where he actually played really well after coming back from being hurt initially. Um, but uh, isn't that a game they lost? <laughs> no, they won that one. Okay. Never it, it was close. Okay. <laughs> Closer than it should have been. Um, yeah, it, it's really it's it, if we were to say a grade, it's a, it's a, it's an incomplete. Uh, you know, I, obviously you said uh, in the last episode we had twelve transfers out, yes. and in this last week we had another three kind of leave in in the. Well, it's interesting. The three, the, the three. Well, actually, it was four because don't forget Donovan Newby did too. Oh, that's right. The, th- the other three are what? Did Jason Nani, Kyle Ross, and Tyler. I said the last two. I didn't even. Did they even play last year? Walk-ons, walk-on transfers. Yeah, like guys yeah. that that really weren't anything. But as as we're talking about it, and as 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 a group, what we're looking at is the coach coming in, right? So Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Senior, the Baldwins are gone. They they're moving on to. The G League, or I mean, or the NBA, I mean, wherever. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, his his dad didn't know how to coach, in my opinion. Uh, no, no adjustments. Obviously, as as fans of this league, we would see the Panthers do pretty well in the first half of the season, and then come January, uh, we would lose. And off the record, off the, I don't know the record offhand. Yeah, I was to say if somebody's got the record, it was. I want to say January 20, as of January, his record was like somewhere sub 400. Like, I mean, it was like yeah, it was ridiculous. Great. It was bad, really bad. Um, But we're going from a guy who in his career in Milwaukee as a coach was 52, 57 and 92 to Bart Lundy, who, albeit Division II Queens College, uh, in his last stint there was 115 and 41. Consistent winner, knows how to win. Knows how to coach. Knows Milwaukee. He was here uh, with uh, Buzz. And by the Williams way, I should, put, I should, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I should mention that. Remember, Queens University. They're going to be making the transition to D1, and he exactly. was going to be a part of that until they got the job here. Yep. And and as he as he said in many of his interviews, he was pretty much offered a lifetime contract there yeah. and decided to come. He said the same thing to me. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but he knows Milwaukee. He met his wife here in Milwaukee, so he's got ties to the city. Um, the idea now is, can he get the right pieces in place? And I know he signed a couple coaches this uh, in the last week here or two, which have uh, solidified his his team. Um, but we've got some new guys coming in. We've got a lot of guys coming from the transfer portal. Uh, some guys moving up. Um, based on what he said, it's it or again, it's it's going to be moving a more press press defense, uh, jack up a lot of shots. Um, they were talking, there's a kid coming in, uh, Zach Howell, who's a great spot shooter. Um, and basically he said in, in his interviews and, and talks with people that the coach wants him to shoot and shoot and shoot. So, um, I, I assume that's kind of going to be our, our offenses. And then for people that may have been around years and years ago, uh, it may be reminiscent of the Bruce Pearl days and maybe that'll get people jazzed up. 
I think one of the biggest things that the the fan base is excited about is the fact that this coach has gotten on TV and radio and podcasts uh, more than Baldwin and Jeter ever did combined. Um, that's, hey, I can attest to that. We were part of the tour. Exactly, exactly. And so, I, I was jazzed that we were. I'm like, hey, hey don't yell at us after another game. Hey, exactly. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and, Tommy. Yeah. Um, I just have, speaking of those guys, I just have a little something for you I was going to modify. Um, I'm not going to sing it because I can't sing, but uh, it goes something like, God. well, my coach is in the next room. Sometimes I wish he was you. I guess we never really moved on. So I'm bringing my lips of an angel back. But I have a question for you about... I have a question for you about Bart Lundy, if, if I could. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people said, hey, you got to throw out the record at high point. It's one of the worst jobs in the country. So one, well, is it UWM one of the worst jobs in the country? But I digress. Um, I, no, my real question, though, is... No, that you know, is not the answer. No. Uh, I'm just teasing. I'm a Green Bay fan. I got to talk smack about Milwaukee I when saying, I get a chance. You got to talk trash. <laughs> but I do have a real question about Coach Lundy. And I think that he's a pretty good hire on paper. But one of the things that I, you know, that is a concern to me as an outsider, Queens, and he, he alluded to this in his press conference, was bankrolled by the former CEO of Bank of America. And when you look it up on the publicly available information, Queens spends on basketball like twice what the average D2 team does. Now we're talking 1.2 or 3 million versus 600,000. But, you know, when I think about that, that's one thing I'm, I actually am a little concerned about is how he's going to relate when you're not going to be the best resource team in not only in your league, but in the country at your level, you're going to be an average resource team. And so now how does that, you know, how does he overcome that obstacle, you know, where he doesn't have the best of everything like he did, you know, at, at Queens, you know, compared to the D2 competition. So do you, have you, you know, got any feel for like, how's the guy who's going to, how's he going to come in and relate when he's not in the, one of the premier jobs in the country anymore for his level? Right. No, I, I actually, I saw something about that. Um, I don't know where I saw it, but uh, I, I would agree with that. That that's one thing that that worries me in terms of a fan is is you were given the Rolls Royce of of jobs and and communities where now you're coming into uh, if you go Horizon League we're still top right we spend a lot of money in terms of our league but you got a city that you know and he knows it. The biggest thing I think is that he knows where he's coming from because because he spent the years over at Marquette where money is plentiful and you just call up a donor and they'll give you what you need. Um, I think he'll understand that what comes of it. It'll be interesting. Um, right now he's hit the ground running. So recruitment has been there. What's going to happen next, right? That that'll be kind of the big thing. And, and I think it's, it's a big major unknown. It's, it's the kind of same unknown that we had when, when Pat Baldwin came across, we kind of understood, okay, he's a division, he's a division one assistant, kind of in the same vein as Jeter was. So kind of people had that familiarity with it. Um, it's it's one of those things that, yeah, it, it's it's an unknown. And it really is going to depend on what he decides to do, right? Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think it's something to kind of keep an eye on. So Northern Kentucky – so, uh, Michael, um, is Northern Kentucky okay? <laughs> Well, uh, I'd say maybe on the surface, uh, most of us would probably say, yeah, returning four of our uh, five starters. Um, not going to lie, I know it was mentioned earlier uh, in, in, the, in the cast that, 
you know, the loss of Adrian Nelson is going to be huge. I mean, uh, while he didn't put up a lot of points, I mean, you're losing a guy double-digit rebounds, um, I think, ended up when he left fifth all-time in rebounding in the program's history. So, I mean, that that's going to be hard to replace. Um, you know, I think the most concerning thing, and I think most um, uh, fa- most fans in the fan base would agree, is just really right now the lack of uh, what we feel is recruiting or uh, getting recruits. Uh, I know this week we were able to uh, land a young gentleman out of uh, Wisconsin, L.J. Wells. Um, mm-hmm. uh, very similar, and I guess in my eyes, he's a slimmer version of uh, Trey Robinson. That'll be a junior for us this year. Um, but outside of that, it's it's been crickets, and I think that's the most concerning thing. Um, you know, I think it was alluded to on one of the other teams, you know, uh, your teams don't run without a solid point guard. And, you know, Bryson Langdon leaving us, um, not taking, you know, the opportunity for his extra year of eligibility, um, it's going to hurt. Um, I think right now, you know, we have to see what, um, you know, Jake Evans, who had some spot playing time throughout the season at the point position and Isaiah Mason, um, you know, who will be a sophomore this year, um, battled some injuries and some illness. It'll be interesting to see. He's he's a very athletic player. I think he um, could possibly be a good replacement at the point guard. But, you know, Bryson was he was the motor that made us run. And so he'll, he'll definitely be missed. Um, you know, uh, Sam Vincent can fill in at the point guard position, but he's better at that two position. Um, I know when they started him out at the point to begin last season, um, he was a little overwhelmed, obviously, you know, was in his natural position. And then as soon as Horn moved him to the number two, he he flourished. And so, um, you know, I expect uh, I, I expect another solid year from him. Um, you know, Marquez work, you know, his his athleticism and his talent speaks for itself. What he did for us down the stretch, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then. What's going to be huge is obviously the play of Chris Brandon. I know our uh, Detroit Mercy rep isn't going to be too happy to hear this, but he was he was just an awesome added addition for us. He's got a, a his motor is just nonstop, and and when you watch this kid in person, it, it's even that more impressive. Uh, the thing for him is he's going to really have to do a better job of of staying out of foul trouble. He was really susceptible to picking up a lot of quick and in some instances stupid fouls, um, and so. With not having the luxury of having uh, Adrian come off the bench anymore, uh, that's going to be more important for him to to find ways to stay on the floor. Um, and, and really the name that's getting thrown around here, guys, and I guess no one really heard of him because he redshirted for us this past year, is uh, Emmanuel Zorgval. Um, young man is seven foot. Um, I, I've been told added 20 to 30 pounds in the off season. So that puts him in and around maybe 230, 235 range. Um, you know, just from seeing him on the floor and warmups and stuff, and obviously not seeing him play um, definitely has some athleticism and, you know, you can't teach height, but it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how he uh, transfers into more playing time and, and, you know, seeing if, uh, if that amounts to anything, you know, the running joke among the fan bases, I think we were the only team in the conference that had three seven footers on the bench with a combined weight of about 350 pounds. Um, so these yeah. are, 
these aren't hawking guys that we're bringing in off the bench, you know, averaging seven feet. Um, you know, they're they're pretty thin, you know, soaking wet and in dire need of, you know, some uh, extra large uh, combo meals and some chocolate malts. And so, um, yeah. you know, it, it'll be interesting. But I think, you know, on the surface, our, our starting four or five, you know, I, I'll take it. You know, the return of um, uh, of our main man, Trayvon, was, was a big get. Um, I yeah. think if he doesn't come back, um, then I'm, I'm talking something totally different to you right now. But um, that's going to be some much needed leadership. Um, I just want and I expect and I, I don't think I'm in the minority of the fan base. He disappeared too many times in big games for us last year. And I think we need him to just really come in um, wanting to prove a point. You know, you put that combined with um, with Warwick and with Vincent and, you know, you've got a, a really good three punch there. Um but again, he he can't afford to take games off like I think he did a couple times last year when we really needed him. So, but the concerning thing is our bench. You know, I think outside of that initial group, um, there's not a lot. You know, we had, as you mentioned earlier, we had David Bam, who was a six nine, um, you know, perimeter player. He left. Uh, Sabian Sims, six seven kid out of North Dakota. He decided to to move on, and then obviously Adrian. So. Um, you know, with the lack of recruits that we've got coming in, it'll be interesting to see um, what happens when we're forced to go to our bench. But, um, you know, I'm feeling good, but, you know, that could change a month into the season. We'll have to see. But I think this is a big season for Horn. Um, you know, he's he's done it with a lot of John Brandon's players, you know. And, um, you know, granted, he's brought in the last two freshmen of the year in Vincent and, and Warwick. Um, but you know, this is, I think where a lot of us fans are, you know, wanting to see more in terms of what he's bringing in and, and what he can do outside of, or un, coming from underneath the, the Brandon shadow, so to say. So, um, we'll see, but, um, you know, I'm excited. I think others are and you know, we'll see what happens when the, when it comes time to throw the ball in the air. All right. So Mitchell is Oakland. Okay. I mean, they have Jalen Moore. Uh, in my opinion, they're not too bad looking be because of the two guys they brought in, Har Hervey and uh, Bowman, because Bowman would re replace the shooting guard position. Kind of Micah Parrish was doing that position as well as small forward. And then Hervey's supposed to replace Parrish is what I kind of read throughout researching a little bit. Uh, we also are losing Jamal Kane, obviously, just because that was his fifth year. And he's, a he's obviously doing good things. He's going to enter the draft and everything. But um, the other guys we have transferred out, uh, Zion Young, he got like surgery on both of his knees, though. So, I mean, that was kind of expected just because he wasn't playing. He wasn't really playing. And then we also lost uh, Newsome, which was our backup point guard. He didn't really play at all, though, because I, I, I kind of got the assumption that Grant, Greg Campy didn't really trust him with the ball. I mean, he kind of turned the ball over every time he had the ball. And then we lost a couple of walk-ons, which weren't going to do too much anyway. But yeah, the main the, the, yeah, the funny thing about the transfer portal, there's a lot of names on there. I actually had to look up the name to confirm that they were on the team. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's league-wide, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the main thing is Parrish leaving. Obviously, he has greater aspirations and just wants to play at a higher level. I mean, I've seen him. He visited Michigan State this past weekend. He's visited West Virginia. He's visited Colorado State. 
So obviously he's got opportunities up above. And then Greg Campy was able to bring in two new guys to kind of fill those holes again and hopefully bolster the scoring again and keep things rolling. But we still have Trey Townsend. We have Jalen Moore coming back. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, but I'm curious to see the, how the two new guys do on the court. I know Bowman didn't play too much for Wisconsin because they've had a lot of guards play last year. And he was kind of away from the team for most of the time. And I didn't really, I have not really researched too much about Hervey because he played for Missouri State. So I didn't really spend too much time looking at him too much. But I'm curious to see how they play as a group because I know uh, our off, we started off the year really well. We beat Oklahoma State, which was kind of, it was a really, really cool thing to see. And then we did win the Gulf Coast Showcase or whatever it's called. But then we started losing quite a bit, which kind of was surprising just because of how the year started. So I'm curious to see if uh, it'll be a good throughout the whole year or it'll be a continuation of last year where it kind of started good and then kind of ended cold. So I'm just curious to see how this new year would be. Hey, Mitchell, I got a question for you, and you kind of alluded to it. You know, I, I for one, you know, I'm, I'm a big uh, Campy fan. I think he's, you know, one of the better coaches in the conference. He's He's been there forever. <laughs> Um, but I, I guess the question I had, and you alluded to it, the hot start to your season last year, you know, I thought uh, that from top to bottom of the roster, I think you guys were one of the most talented or if not, mo you know, talented teams in the conference. And um, how, how was the fan base reaction, you know, when those, I guess, losses and maybe surprising losses were popping up, uh, you know, down towards the stretch? Because, you know, early on, I would have pegged you guys for running away with the conference and being the rep in the in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, uh, the what was it? The Wright State game that was on ESPN two, and it was like at nine p.m. And I went to that one, and that was the biggest crowd we had. I think that one in the Detroit Mercy home game was the biggest crowds we had all year. And that Wright State game was crazy. I mean, teams were going back and forth. People are getting big leads. Both teams are getting big leads and coming back. But it was kind of crazy to see how that collapsed because I, I think that was the game with Jamal Cain missing the dunk, right? Was I don't know if that I don't know if anybody remembers that. Yeah, I do call. remember that. Yeah, but uh, that was a great that was a crazy turning point because you could tell Jamal Cain. I mean, he was just so disappointed in himself, and the team wasn't kind of. I mean, the team was kind of trying to help pick him up, but they weren't. I don't know. They were. They were. They seemed like they were uh, collapsing as a whole, which is kind of what I Jim saw. Wasn't Jalen playing with an injury for most of the second half? Oh, yeah, of the yeah, his wrist. Yeah. His wrist and ankle both were kind of – he had surgery on his wrist just this uh, offseason. So, Shane. Uh, you know, when I – I just say real quick. Go ahead. Say something. I was going to say for Oakland real quick, I, you know, I, I read that they won the portal. That was something that Northern Kentucky fans were thinking. Uh Oakland didn't have any depth last year and they, they haven't brought in enough players yet. Like you want to know what happened? They didn't have enough players. You play six people. Yeah, this is what that, happens. That, that was, I forgot about yes. that. That was like the main thing that I've thought myself, what I've read and everything that you can go on and on about that. We said in the, in the first episode, you know, it takes three ish good players. Well, it also takes like five more capable backups yeah, too. We, we, <laughs> we had the three good players in my opinion. I mean, even four good players with Townsend in that group as well. But our bench was Lampman and Osei Price. And then after that, you kind of – who 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 knows is on the bench? I mean, I, I knew who was on the bench, but I assume most of you guys would not know the names if I said them. 
No, I don't. That's how I, why I had to look him up. I mean, Ty Wyman and Mason Gibson are two of the transfers that left, and I, I mean, they were both walk-ons, and I think our whole bench had like five or six walk-ons. I mean, Will Shepard played a little bit too, but he was also walk-on, so I don't know. I mean, good Campy never recruits for the bench, and I mean, the last three, four years that I've been following this, he never really focuses on the bench. He'll get his one or two, his sixth man or seventh man, and then after that, we have no center play or no power forward backups, and that's where we get tired at the end of the season. All right. So, Shane, is Wright State okay? Um, okay. I'm not 100% sure about that one because you don't have Grand Facility and you don't have Tanner Holden anymore. My controversial take is if Amari Davis can come in and play his first year because this would be his second transfer, if he gets the waiver, which I think he will because I think yeah. uh, Missouri's gone through their coaching change. We all know about that. Cleveland State knows it more than anyone else. Yes, uh, I do. <laughs> I think this will be the best iteration that Nagy has had at Wright State. I think this will be the best team that we've had today, and I'll go through why. Um, you got Trey Calvin on point. Um, he is on point. He's definitely the best point guard that we've had in a while. And for depth reason, Keaton Norris is right there behind him. And Keaton Norris has proved last year that he can handle the ball just as good as Trey. So we're pretty good on the point guard situation. Uh, Amari Davis will, if he comes in, he'll be in probably the number two spot. And he did great things at Green Bay in the Horizon League, put up really big numbers. Not so much at Missouri, but that was a, kind of a dumpster fire of a program anyway. Yes, so it I was. Think, I think when he comes back, I think he'll be back to his old. This is his waters he knows. I think he'll be really good. Um, I think Keaton can also give him some time on the, you know, he won't need to be come in and play 40 minutes. I think Norris will be able to be behind. And don't forget about Alex Kubricks. He sat last year because I think he had an injury they were working on. Uh, and that yes. might that might have affected the freshman year. I was not really high on him. And that injury might have been a reason why he was struggling his, his, his first year with us. So I think he'll be back. Um, I'm not sold whether he'll be great or not, but if if he if that injury was what was bugging him, he he he'll be a really good uh, as a backup and number two as well. Um, number three spot, looking at Tim Finke. We all know him. He is the hustler, and hopefully with a deeper bench this year, which I think we have, I think he'll be able to hone in more on his shot. If not, you still have him as a clampdown defender. He, he can guard the probably. The, the the big the best guy on any op, on any team that we play up he against. He was terrible against Kane. He's what? Yeah. He was terrible against Kane, in my opinion. Oh, I I, I don't know. Um, he's got Wellage behind him. I think Wellage is good. We have an offer out uh, to Bobby Durkin, so that's still up in the air. I don't know whether we'll get land him or not. We have an offer up to Mac, but everything I've heard, we got Amari and. I don't think Mac is going to sign with us. We'll find out, I think, on Monday. Um, our Which means spot, by, the time we get, by the time this episode airs, we'll have a decision. Yeah. <laughs> our fourth Speaking spot, we into got, existence, man. Speaking into existence. We got uh, Blake Sisley coming in. I think he's going to be amazing. I think he's going to be, I would say, probably better than – I think he's going to be better than Basile, in my honest opinion. He may not be really? his first year here. But he's got an outside shot. Basile had an outside shot when his first year with Love, or his when Love was still around. He had a really good outside shot, but that went away last year. He he tried he tried to make it work, but he just it, it didn't happen. But I think Blake's going to make it happen. 
And uh, he's also, I think he's also going to be a big guy. I have high, really high hopes. He was on the all freshman team for Missouri Valley and he was playing for Evansville, which isn't a great program. So I think he's going to really thrive in the waters over here at Wright State. Um, and then we got AJ Braun, uh, which his trajectory, I think he'll be probably like a little loud in love. He, I don't know if he'll ever get as good as loud in love. I hope he will. He has the trajectory. I think he can be. And I have really high hopes for him as well. Um, and then there's a name called Brandon Noel. You haven't seen him. And when you do see no. him, you're going to be like, where does this guy has come from? Because he's actually I know a third. Exactly where it's, it's like, again, it's like one of the, it's like the Scott Nagy tradition where he has a guy who nobody's ever seen just jump in and say, well, okay, where's this guy been all year? <laughs> and yep. And he's going to do that. He was redshirted his first year. He played, he was an injured his second year. So you're having a third year big man. Who's going to be able to back up the four and five spot just fine. And then we have C.J. Wilborn. I'm not huge on C.J. Wilborn. You saw small improvements on him, and I'm glad he's with the program because he saved our butts when we had we only had five players and we were playing yes. Youngstown State and Robert Morris. So I'm glad he's with us, and I hope he continues to improve under Nagy. He's definitely like all in on the Nagy system. He's he's usually in the right in the right place at the right time, but um. But I don't, I don't see him being as, you know, a starter or playing significant minutes unless we're playing like ooey pooey. There you go. All right. So last but not least, certainly not least, uh, Nico, um, is Youngstown State okay? I think I know the answer to this question, but is Youngstown State okay? With with Dwayne Cohill coming back, I believe he's one of the best um, shooting guards in there. Like that deep. Games and win, and winning their first ever NCAA going to the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history. And of course, you have the five guys who are coming in, including Adrian Nelson. Stop. Who mentioned at least a couple times. <laughs> Throw that, uh, hey, stick that sword deeper in my side, why don't you? <laughs> you know what? I think I think I think that was kind of the the downside of getting Chris Brandon. For as good as Chris Brandon was. It kind of, kind of took away from Adrian Nelson because you know, but I mean that's the whole other thing, but yeah. All right. So, uh, anything else about? Uh, obviously, Nico, you got a bunch, like you got four other guys who are also in there too. So that's again, I think they won the portal this year. <laughs> that we know of because obviously we have some. Obviously, you know, we don't know the full story about everybody else yet. No, we don't. All right, so guys, um, I'm gonna go ahead and cut, uh, close out this uh, this last episode. Um, great discussion as it is every year, uh, but you guys knocked it out of the park this year. So appreciate all of you joining us. Um, so um, not sure what we're gonna be doing later on this uh, next episode, but I'm sure it'll be something you don't want to miss. Until then, HorizonRoundTable.com. You can pull us up. Uh, yeah, so HorizonRoundTable.com, where all our episodes, all our written content is. You can pull us up uh, on wherever podcasts are available. You can pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So until next time, thank you all for listening. <laughs>